the timing and the reason would be different for each. And that's where the fascination lay. No two spices work the same. The kitchen was ready. The long stainless steel counters lay before her, expansive and cool in the dark. Lillian knew without looking that Robert had received the vegetable order from the produce man who delivered only on Mondays. Caroline would have stood over skinny, smart-mouthed Daniel until the floors were scrubbed, the thick rubber mats rinsed with the hose outside until they were black and shining. Beyond the swinging door on the other side of the kitchen, the dining room stood ready, a quiet field of tables under starched white linen, napkins folded into sharp triangles at each place. But no one would use the dining room tonight. All that mattered was the kitchen. Lillian stretched her fingers once, twice, and turned on the light. Lillian Lillian had been four years old when her father left them, and her mother, stunned, had slid into books like a seal into water. Lillian had watched her mother submerge and disappear, sensing instinctively, even at her young age, the impersonal nature of a choice made simply for survival, and adapting to the niche she would now inhabit as a watcher from the shore of her mother's ocean. In this new life, Lillian's mother's face became a series of book covers, held in place where eyes, nose, or mouth might normally appear. Lillian soon learned that book covers could forecast moods much like facial expressions, for Lillian's mother swam deeply into the books she read, until the personality of the protagonist surrounded her like a perfume applied by an indiscriminate hand. Lillian was never sure who would greet her at the breakfast table, no matter that the bathrobe, the hair, the feet were always the same. It was like having a magician for a mother, although Lillian always suspected that the magician she saw at birthday parties went home and turned back into portly men with three children and grass that needed mowing. Lillian's mother simply finished one book and turned to the next. Her mother's preoccupation with books was not an entirely silent occupation. Long before Lillian's father had left them, long before Lillian knew that words had a meaning beyond the music of their inflections, her mother had read aloud to her not from cardboard books with their primary colored illustrations and monosyllabic rhymes. Lillian's mother passed these by like a quality inspector short on time and long on product. There's no need to eat potatoes, Lily, she would say, when four course meals are ready and waiting. And she would read. For Lillian's mother, every part of a book was magic but what she delighted in most were the words themselves. Lillian's mother collected exquisite phrases and complicated rhythms, descriptions that undulated across a page like cake batter pouring into a pan, read aloud to put the words in the air, where she could hear as well as see them. Oh, Lily, her mother would say, listen to this one. It sounds green, don't you think? And Lillian who was too young to know that words were not colors and thoughts were not sounds, would listen while the syllables fell quietly through her, and she would think, this is what green sounds like.
After Lillian's father left, however, things changed, and she increasingly came to see herself simply as a mute and obliging assistant in the accumulation of exceptional phrases, or if they happened to be somewhere public, as her mother's social cover. People would smile at the vision of a mother nurturing her daughter's literary imagination. But Lillian knew better. In Lillian's mind, her mother was a museum for words. Lillian was an annex, necessary when space became limited in the original building. Not surprisingly, when it came time for Lillian to learn to read, she balked. It was not only an act of defiance, although by the time kindergarten started, Lillian was already feeling toward books private surges of aggression that left her both confused and slightly powerful. But it wasn't just that.